Hi, it's Maria here and welcome to episode 10 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. My guest today is Susan O'Doherty. Susan's a self-taught painter and also works in mixed media assemblages, which she creates with found objects. She's had over 25 solo shows across Australia and New Zealand and has been in many more group exhibitions. Her current work deals with the issues she's been focusing on in the last few years, particularly the treatment of women in our society and the violence which exists not only in our communities, but also in the home. This is what she's addressing in her Sydney show, Pinned to the Wall, which is coming up in November. Her work is also touring around the country in another show called Moving House, which is a collaboration with her partner, artist Peter O'Doherty, and deals with the situation where the family is frequently on the move. All works we mention are on the website, talkingwithpainters.com. We start our conversation by talking about Susan's childhood experiences. I was born in Brisbane, and um, I'm the third in with four children. I've got okay. two sisters and a brother, and my father was in the army. So, in the sixties, when I was growing up, you'd move every year. Often, we'd move every year. The army would transfer a family. So, I was born in Brisbane, and then when I was about one, we moved up to Townsville, oh, okay. and then we went to Darwin. Then we went overseas. And we lived in England. Oh, right. So what? That so that was um, like for a year at a time or something? A year. Or? We tend to move every Christmas. So you'd be transferred for a year and then the army would move you on to a, a, another location. So mm. we were always on the move, which is what my exhibition Moving House was about. That the fact that, um, that we relocated and uh, we were always leaving friends behind mm. and... Was that uh, I went as tonight. long as you could remember that you oh, were look, doing that? We were always moving every year at Christmas time. So Christmas has never been a great time for me because mm-hmm. we were always packing up. And um, my mother was never sort of good with giving presents, so we were, it wasn't sort of a celebratory time for us. Okay. And did you find that you were just like just your family unit? There weren't extent. There wasn't extended well, family. No. Or? When you move a lot, you tend to leave people behind, so you don't actually mm. build a relationship with other people around you because you know that you're going to move. So mm. it's very hard to maintain friendships um, mm. when you're always moving and going to different schools. You'd always be starting a new school at the beginning of every year. And did you did that make you closer with your siblings? Yeah, I think the family unit, the small family unit, was uh, very important. Lucky I had two sisters that they were like my best friends. Mm. And I think it was very hard for my brother who was on his own Mm. and struggled a bit, I think, building up friendships, long-term friendships and keeping them. And was your dad not at home much? He'd often go to the new uh, barracks where he was aligned to. Um or signed to go to, and my mother would often have to pack the house up on her own and then we would follow. And we'd live in an army house, an army quarter, usually in a barracks, wherever we went to. Mm. So I went to nine schools. Um, oh, nine schools. Schools, which, which is what Moving House was about, continu- continually on the move. Oh. Also, I'm dyslexic too, so I didn't learn a thing at school. I failed badly. Oh, right. So and so there wasn't, was there much support for that when you were at Not school? Not then, because I think it was... Uh, they just teach, if you're always moving, teachers think that you're behind and they just mm. think you're a bit slow. Mm. Whereas in fact, I don't think I learned anything. 
And did they, but did they, rec- so they didn't recognise there was a they problem? Did. Not then, in the 60s and 70s, I don't think dyslexia was a big deal. No. I think they just thought you were a naughty kid in the class or you were very quiet. I was very quiet mm. in the class. I didn't, would never read, want to read aloud in the class, mm. actually. What are your earliest recollections of, of, say, drawing or any visual arts? Look, the, the funny thing about me is that I, I'm not a very good drawer. And I don't, um, I think it's great if you are a good drawer, but I don't think that should hamper you in your, in your art, if you want to be an artist. Mm. I don't think it's about being a great drawer and I don't think it's about being a great painter. I think it's about making work. I think the imagination is the most important thing in it, to be an artist, mm-hmm. to open your mind and to, to, to go further than what you think. And so with, um, at school, did you, were you interested in high school in art at all? Not at, uh, no, I can honestly tell you I've never really had an art lesson in my life. Wow. So you're totally uh, Look, I, I, I struggled um, with the school system in general. Mm. And art wasn't around me at home. And I think mm. uh, to be an artist in any form, whether it's music or theatre or drama or, or writing, you need encouragement. You need encouragement in the arts because it's very tough. Mm. And so when do you date your first sort of realisation that you're interested in Well, what happened was I I met Peter, my husband, who's also a painter and a musician, and he he did a lot of drawing. Mm. And I just, uh, after we got married, I just, and I was pregnant with my first child, I just started doing a bit of drawing and then I started to do a bit of painting. I, I was copying Matisse, you know, just copying artists that I, I liked. And what, um, uh, what, what were you drawn to at that point? Like what sort of things were you painting at the beginning? Oh, mainly still lives um, and interiors. And then after I did that for a few years, I started to do abstract. You know, I sort of d- uh, educated myself on a bit of art history. I oh, yeah. know nothing about art history. And I looked around. I sort of I was influenced by things I liked. Yeah. What I saw. I, an image. I think an image is important if it grabs you. Colour. I find colours very important. I think colour can say so much. Um, and that's oh, is that part of why you're drawn to Matisse, like his colours? Yeah, and, and a very simple approach. He wasn't overcomplicated. He wasn't... Uh, he just had a lovely sense of colour, mm. balance, and I think there's a lot of space in his work. I do like space in work. Mm. Um, so did you set up still lifes yourself to do? I set up or? still life and I probably do about 80 of the same. I'm very really? obsessive. I'll ten, I tend to set up something like a series. <laughs> I'll do 20 of, of, um, of, of one, something I set up, because I find that each one you improve. Yeah. And you teach yourself from repetition. I believe you teach yourself from doing something and then you'll get another idea. It's in the doing mm. that something else will will appear. And a mistake, you can make a mistake in a work and you mm. think, I'm going to go that way because that's more interesting than following a form of what you think it? is correct. And I think there's no correct way of doing something. It's the way you do it. If it works for you, it's the way that you should be making your work. A lot of the good art a lot of art I'm drawn to are things that you might just see someone's just put together a few bits of wood or or they they 
might make something from found objects mm. or they might do a sculpture or a very natural sort of painting that's not laboured, often I'll find that far more interesting than someone that spent a long, long time trying to mm. paint something to present to someone. You know, like yeah. I think art... Do you think it's more anyone, spontaneous? Is that what it's... Is it's more... about your heart. It's about how you see the world. Art is about your vision and what you see. It's not about what you read or what someone tells you. It's what it's how you feel about your environment. Mm. So, for you, it's, is it important for you for it to reflect your current sort of life, or very much? I think, um, and I think the more the more art you make, the more you realise. Well, I'm realising that I want to have a point to what I'm doing. I want to say something about what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't just want to create work or make things that don't that aren't saying so in the wider community saying something about that's happening just or something how I feel about something that's going on Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, in the last few years I've been doing a lot of things about women's issues and I think women aren't treated particularly well especially in this environment you just look at the elections in America oh it's incredible how Mm -hmm. how even women don't just just to up. clarify, just when people listening to this, we're, we're recording this at the time, the lead-up to the um, 2016 November elections with Trump and Clinton in their campaign. Yeah. So we've just had that uh, unbelievable video come out. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trump's video, um, which is shocking. I mean, it's, sho- it's, the, it's also the reaction is shocking. Yeah, but what, what I find amazing about it is that Men in general, I think, look down on women. I think they treat women... Um, not. I'm not saying all men. I'm just saying in general, I think women aren't treated with respect. Mm. You just have to look at the football culture here. You have to look at sports culture. You look at television. You look at the violence on television towards women. You look at all the porn. Mm-hmm. But do you think that's 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 been exacerbated in the last say 10 20 years from the internet or do you think it was always an underlying sort of attitude well i think now people with such freedom of speech people can say what they like Mm. and they think it's okay to um put women down Mm. and you look at all the violence in this in our community at the moment Mm. which is what my show is about yeah can you tell me a bit yeah it's called pin to the wall uh, it's a it's a current show. I should say at this point that your your work um, is not only in painting; it's also in mixed media assemblages. Yeah. Um, and the reason I I I started to make some mixed media assemblages from found objects, I've been doing it now for about uh, eight to nine years, and it was to coincide with a show called Nine Hundred Eyes Domestic Lives, where one portion of the show is where I painted four hundred and fifty portraits of visual artists, people who were in the arts. And the other component of the show was uh, boxes with um, from found objects, basically, oh, okay. with, with domestic issues, women's issues. Um, okay, well, actually, that was, that's an interesting exhibition. Can we just, can we talk about the painting side first? Yeah. And then we can go on to talk about the assemblages. Yeah, it was 450 portraits, which yeah. is um, well, an painted, amazing I painted idea. more than that. I left some of them out. <laughs> Did you always intend... Um, well, it was first of all, it was 450 portraits of people in the 
visual um, arts. in the visual arts. So it included artists, curators, um, art, dealers, art dealers, people who worked in the art shops, mm-hmm. um, collectors, people who were, just people in general who I would see a lot of art shows who were very interested in the arts. And I and, and the premise for, for that exhibition was that I thought it would be very interesting. I actually said to my husband, wouldn't it be interesting to look back in the 30s or the 20s to see the artists and who were dealing in the arts at that particular time and yeah. what they were wearing. I, I always like... Yeah, yeah. Um, I like objects and clothing and fashion because I think it says a lot about a society of the time. And I said, wouldn't it be great if we had a record now? And that's what gave me the idea that I'll go and take photographs to snapshots of people at art shows. I'd just go to art exhibitions and go and ask an artist because they didn't know who I was and I thought if I go and ask them and deal with them, if I take two quick shots of them not smiling, it's very quick and painless mm. and there was no time spent on, you know, they didn't have to worry about the time being spent. And How I, did, did most people say yes? Most, I had about 10 people who said no. Everybody I approached was quite happy to stand against the wall and have two passport style photographs taken of not smiling. And the oh, so you said so you said I to didn't them, you want can't smile yeah. because I wanted everyone to be on a level playing field. Yeah. So I could have very successful artists because I I hung the show alphabetically so I could have very successful artists next hanging sitting next to someone who maybe worked in an art shop or an art student. Yeah. So you, so you had get people a director like, of a big art gallery. Yeah. But you know, next to someone who had just left art school. Yeah. So you had people like what Edmund Capon. Edmund Capon and Joanna Capon, his wife, who actually wrote yeah. the essay for the catalogue. Right. And there's, um, I think John Olson was one of oh, them. John. Oh, look, a lot of Margaret Olley. Margaret Olley. Um, yeah. I also took a uh, the last uh, one of the last photographs of John Coburn, who mm. died. Um, I think about three months after I took his photograph and mm. I put him in the show. And a lot of... The sad thing is now that show was at Manly Art Gallery in 2008 and now a lot of those older artists have died oh. and even some of the younger ones have. So it's, yeah. a, it's a record of time, really. And what, and what was that like? Uh, that's a lot of, a lot of portraits. So yeah, over 450, so I, how did you go about it? Well, what I did was I would start... Um, I would go and take maybe ten photographs at a show, load them up, and have a look at them. And I and I would and I would just start. I'd have probably three on the go at a time, mm. and it took me three years to do the exhibition. Actually, oh, wow! So I'd try and get. And did you... every couple of days I'd get one finished. And um, were you? Did you? Was it important to get a likeness for you? Were you? Um, were you preoccupied well, with that when you were doing each one? I like. Well, I, I was. I did want to get a likeness, but but the feel of someone I was trying to capture more of an essence. I mean, it's very hard for me to say that after taking it two, not not talking to someone for two minutes and then taking their photograph. It mm. sounds very insincere. Mm. But the but the funny thing about portraiture, I'm not a portrait painter. I don't see myself as a portrait painter. At all, you've probably so painted I, more portraits than most. But, but I don't paintings. feel I'm an expert yeah. in any in any art form. I don't feel I'm an expert. It's just my opinion. But I, I feel because I didn't know the person, I wasn't loading up a whole lot of other stuff. Like I wasn't because I didn't know their how really how they thought about things, how they lived their life. I yeah. was just portraying an image and what I got and from that photograph. So two photographs was all I needed because. That's enough information for me. Yeah, if I had yeah. ten, it would be too much information. I find less information often 
is better yes. for me. I like to simplify. That's interesting. Um, but I, I'm, I'm uh, the people that I recognise. That I, I mean, the people I knew that I saw in, in those uh, paintings. They looked incredibly like them. So well, that's I what I just hard. couldn't. I, I couldn't tr- believe that you I could tried, do so many. Well, but... I tried hard to capture yeah. a like. I wanted it to have a likeness. I yeah. wanted them. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted them to be recognisable. I wanted. Yeah, and how did they react? Did you get many reactions, or do you? Look, not? it's funny how you do something like that, and people you don't get many. People don't say much. <laughs> I know. You know people don't comment, and maybe uh, and and I never expect a, a comment when I do something. I just think you just do it, put it out there, and see what happens. Yeah, and then move on, and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Move on. You yeah. never want to worry about no. Well, that's an, a, an opinion, yeah. or you just forward, keep going ahead. Basically, yeah. I I had an interesting though experience with Robert Hughes, you know, the the arts mm. critic who was living in America, and I approached him actually at it was the Mossman Art Gallery to paint. He just had his accident, I think, in Western Australia. He was in a wheelchair, and I walked up to him and I said, "Do you know? Do you mind if I take your photograph to paint for this exhibition?" And he said, "You can't paint portraiture from a photograph," which I thought was really old-fashioned oh yeah and sort of outdated i thought here's this this great contemporary or supposedly contemporary person writing about art and contemporary art and the visual art world and he's Mm -hmm. telling me that i can't take paint a a picture from a photograph and i thought well the only way i can do this exhibition is by taking photographs there's no way in the world i could go and spend spend time on 450 people going to this studio this was a particular project I wanted to do and I was going to do it any means I could That's and right. I found that very interesting and he didn't let me take his photograph and oh, I oh he didn't no because oh, you can't you can't there's not a way that you can do portraits well he would have been pretty miserable at that point that was a pretty nasty episode or yeah I just thought though to, to he was he, he had very fixed opinions on mm. what was right and wrong whereas I think there is no right and there's no wrong no and I mean the reality is that most people who paint portraits are using photographic references to some extent because it's very hard to get people to sit for you for long periods who aren't either artists or have got a lot of spare time no that's right so and also i didn't have the time i didn't want to go and sit and spend a whole lot of time i had this thing i wanted to do yeah and it's not i mean it's not actually so much about portraiture either it's more about life and it's more about a visual image of walking in and seeing it's like seeing a whole lot of stamps on a page Mm. You know, you open a book and there's all these stamps, but they're mm. faces of people. There's something about having that many of them too that is I really interesting. Be, I wanted it to be... Look, I really mm. feel... I, I, would, I would love to have done more people. People have gone, oh, I wish I had been... You painted me. And I said, oh, look, I would if I'd known you. Or if I'd run, <laughs> run, run into you at the time. Did it, you, did, well, that's the other thing. Did it get to the point where you'd done so many that you started feeling guilty that you'd left people out? Well, no, I'd done so many and I was sick of it. All right. I thought that's enough enough to go move on, move on. Yeah. I'd done enough. Yeah, I'd yeah. Enough. So with the assemblages, um, is that the first time they appeared, is in that exhibition? That's the first time I'd shown assemblages. And what what, what triggered you to start that sort of well, practice? Well, what, what triggered me was that because I, did, I had been probably painting for 15 years on canvas and I felt like I, that I, I felt like I had nowhere to go and I wanted to explore other another medium because I felt uh, it, it's a flat surface and I wanted to be I wanted to be able to say more with 
what I was doing. I feel mm. you're very limited mm. on a flat surface. Mm. Well, well actually, I also went to America too around that time. Just after the 900 Eyes, we went to America and we went to a lot of art galleries. And I just opened my eyes to about other things that were going on. And I saw some really interesting things over there. And I thought, yes, that's a, I, I like that direction. I like to try and do other things. I saw interesting work which wasn't painting. Mm. And more sculptural. More stuff, sculptural, yeah. 3D. And I, and I liked it. I just thought that's a good way to express yourself mm. and get away from so much the flat wall surface. I mean, my, my assemblages are wall pieces. Mm. I have done some things, some sculptural things just on floors, but I do like the idea of them coming off a wall. And at, has it always been found objects that you've been interested in? What I, well, I do... Uh, an object, I think, says so much. You can put an object into an artwork and have an association with something else and it can say a completely different story to what that original object is saying. Mm. You can put a cup with some knives and it says so much more than just being a cup. Or um, you can have a piece of lace material um, and you can have some cotton threads and you can have a giant pair of scissors. And that's saying something else. Mm. So it's the association of what you put with objects, which actually, mm. is, it's not the object on its own. And it's with obvious. the with with the actually create creating the boards or what would you call that the background? The, would you call that a or the the wooden part of the yeah. assemblage? Is what? that? Would you say please? Well, the, the, the box. Oh yeah, the, the box. box. Yeah, that's a good description actually. The box. Do you, how, how much do you uh, create? I mean, do you create that from scratch? I create the... I build the box up from scratch and then I do like a skeleton inset and then I will cut the frame out and I put it onto the top. So uh -huh. everything... So I make everything from scratch. So you're using so power up, tools and yeah, that sort of thing? Yeah, using tools. So Did I'm, you teach yourself all that sort I of stuff? Did, well, my mother was very good at fixing furniture and I've learned a lot from her. Always moving and moving house and fixing up things. She was very handy with doing things. I did learn a lot from her. Oh, right. Actually. Well, in this current, ex the forthcoming exhibition at Spot 81 Gallery, it's called Pin to the Wall. Can you talk a bit about how uh, the sort of themes that you're exploring that? In that? Um, a lot of the work I do relates to female issues. I had a mother um, who I think really suffered, not from my father, but I th she had a very cruel father. Mm. And she, he wanted a boy and she was a girl. And I think she paid the price for being born a girl. And I think she had a very miserable childhood. Mm. And, she, did she and she, I think she married my father to escape because my father's in the army she knew she would move away mm. and once we moved away from Queensland she never went back and she very rarely saw her father mm. and did you know him at all I knew him well she kept us away from him and uh, when we lived in England she went to a psychiatric hospital she wasn't well mm. and we were all fostered out to different homes, and then that when we came back, did you did you learn about her relationship with her father through her? All her whole life, she talked about her father, oh. how 
what an uh, awful man he was. Cruel man he was. And did that, the shadow that affect of that, you? Did that? Yeah, I think the sh- she had a shadow over her shoulder her whole life. Mm. Because I think what happens to you as a child uh, makes you into the adult that you become. Mm. And I think she really suffered for that. And she was that... never happy or really free and easy. There was always something. I think she relived in her mind a lot of things that she couldn't escape. Mm. And, I, and that's what actually what this exhibition is about. Oh, so, you, so you're um, remembering... Well, I think what, because I grew up in that, um, in that atmosphere... Um, you can't help but pick it up as a child. Mm. I think your parents' behaviour really moulds the way you see things and see the world. I think that's right too. What I what I do is I with this particular show, which is about violence in the home and and in our society in general, is I will go and look for objects which relate to the the subject matter, which is very easy to find. So I. I think most household objects can be used in a violent way. Mm-hmm. Like you could hit someone over the head with a cup or a breadboard or you could stab, stab someone in the, in the neck with a knife. Like all these objects uh, seem very benign, but it's the intention behind how they're used or what someone, the intention of someone getting angry in a kitchen. I think a kitchen's probably a very dangerous place. Um... I've got a, a, a work full of just knives. There's 80 knives falling down with a, with a clock, which would be in a kitchen. Mm. So that what's that work called? That work is called Wallflowers. Yeah. And that work where there are uh, 80 knives falling down, that is to represent a woman, 80 women who have probably been killed this year. So through, through domestic violence. Through domestic violence. Being killed by someone, the most intimate person that you know, is the person that is most likely to cause you the greatest harm. So you have a lot of faith and you put all your energy into this relationship and if it goes sour or if you've got a jealous partner, because I think a lot of domestic violence is through jealousy and possession and I think there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues. It's not one single issue. No one can say that is why that happened. I mean, I've got a, a work called in this exhibition called Walking on Eggshells, mm. which is about creeping around the house, not saying the wrong thing so that you're not going to have an explosive argument. You'll do everything in your power mm. to keep the status quo. That's right. You know, and, and you want to keep the family and you just together. Want, but you just yeah. want to get out of the house mm. and you don't know how to. And then you leave and they... It's a very, very tricky situation. But, but the other thing I think too, which is, which is very important, which I think people forget, is it's very silent. It's not overt. A lot of these works, they're not screaming out violence or domestic violence. They're, they're very subtle. It's, it's, I think it's like you got in the workplace, you might have an employer who, who bullies you, who, who every day is, is, is slighting you in some way and you mm. don't speak up. Mm. Um, you can walk down the street and someone shouts out. It's not. It's not just in the home. Mm. It's just little little signals that come out. I think all the time, which which 
put women down and you lose your confidence mm-hmm. and you don't speak out. I think a lot of women don't speak out because I think most women um, don't like to make a fuss. Yeah. They don't complain. Mm-hmm. They take in all the home duties, all the house duties. They go to work. They're, they're, they multitask. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they don't like to kick up a fuss about things. They stay quiet. I mm-hmm. think in, in general... Um, they're the nurturers and the carers, and they 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 like to run a, a smooth ship, and so they don't jump out and say things. Which is my work, I think, is very subtle. I think it's it, it's not shouting out um, obvious violence. No, well, I, I feel like also it's it's the it's the viewer that's got to join the dots, sort of a thing. Well, I mean, well, what, like for example, one of the paintings that I was looking at, well, one of the um, paintings with the bed. Um, which is called Out of Step. Yeah. So it's like an aerial perspective of a bed and, and uh, sort of like a rug next to it with all the objects placed all around it. Well, that, that particular work where things are scattered, so it's like um, you might be getting ready to go out and you've placed things on the bed and then things are on the floor. So it's, it's almost like um, a fight and flight mentality you know, where you're sort of rushing to go somewhere. Um, that painting in particular, it's got a gun and it's got a hammer, it's got um, objects which can harm you. So it, it's it's just little trigger points where mm. you think, oh, something's happened here or something's about to happen. Mm. And I think that's a, a, a lot of the work. It's not that something has happened, it's the fear of what might happen. Mm. It's living in fear, mm. which is often debilitating. I think being an artist takes you a long time to settle. I think it takes a lifetime to work out what you're doing. I don't... There's no rush. Mm. It's not like you leave art school and suddenly you're an artist. It's something that I think you develop your ideas as you go along and you see things. And I think you become more confident within your own voice and not being afraid to express what you feel and to say it how it is. Um, Do you have a preference for the assemblage or the painting work? What I find with each is that by making assemblages, my paintings improve. I can see an improvement with my paintings. You get more ideas. You can experiment Mm. and you can learn. And with every work that you do, I think it leads to the next thing. Like I think if, if you... Uh, and I think that's the thing about painting is once you stop, it can be very hard to start again. You know, having a blank canvas in front of you can be very intimidating. Mm. And you think, what will I do? And I think it's... So if you keep going, what you do today will determine what you do tomorrow and then the next day and then the next day. Mm. And you can't fail... That's the thing. You can't fail with art. It might not be considered very good or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just in the doing that something will happen. That's right. Just do it. Yeah. And I I think one of the things that you say that keep doing it and... Is is a bit of a secret because um, if you get too stuck on one thing, mm. it can really get stale, and yeah. then you can start losing faith. You yeah, know, yeah. On, but if you don't keep doing it, then there's nothing done. 
No, that's right. You see, the that's only right. it's it's like everything. If you you don't want to give up, you know. No, you don't. I mean, I and also, I think you kids. want to. I say never give up. Never never let somebody else tell you what you can do with your life. If you want to spend your life doing bad paintings, spend your life doing bad paintings. It doesn't matter. I mean, how dare someone tell you what you can do with your life? I mean, there are so many people out there who probably went to art school who had teachers that told them, oh, that's terrible, you're never going to be an artist. How mm. dare someone say that to mm. you? Mm. How dare you have someone tell you what you can do with your life? You know, yeah. it's like, it's like um, great composers of the past, you know. Or, or it's like that, the, the, the New Zealand artist Colin McCann. I don't know if you know no, who Colin McCann, who was laughed at and ridiculed his whole life. He, he did a lot of art with religious script going oh, through it. Oh, Big yeah. black paintings and um, he, did, he did landscapes and, now, and he was totally laughed at his whole career until he got to about 65 and or even, you know, even at the end. Now he is regarded as New Zealand's best contemporary artist. Well, the, well, that's right. I mean, it's a subjective thing as well. So you've just got to struggle through. I think that's the other thing. It's a bit of a lonely thing to do. So you're it sitting in the studio and you're looking at what you're doing and you've got no idea no. how that would be received by anybody else. No, you don't get much feedback. No. So I just wanted to ask you about your um, like practice. Oh, do, yeah. you, what, do you paint every day? I do try to make work every day. And do you have a routine? Like, would you have uh, a... I, no, I do. I sort of, uh, um, if I don't, I feel quite unhappy. Mm. Gets me down if I'm not making my work, and I'll tend to do it all day. And then often, often in the night, I'll tend to do a bit as well. Oh, okay. So yeah. on weekends as well. I or? do like to do it on weekends. Yeah. I know yeah. I'm an obsessive, yeah, artist. Yeah, and um, and how do you, do you find that? Because um, your partner Peter is also a, an artist. Do you find that's a positive thing for your own art? I do think it's good. I Look, I think it is... Um, I think it's very positive to have someone who paints and who you trust because I think that it's good to have someone to feed off. Mm. And I like to hear his opinion on what he, th- what he thinks about something. So you and give I, each other feedback? Well, feed, yes, very much. Yeah. Very much we'll give each other feedback. We're quite critical. If we don't yeah. like something, we say it. Well, and also your work is quite different. So, Very different. Yeah. We, we couldn't be more different. It's quite good, I think, it's to be... Uh, well, it's how you see your, your world. I, he sees it through his eyes and I see mine through mine. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, well, your exhibition's coming up in a few weeks, so good luck with that. And I'll put the details of that on the uh, website. Um, and it's been a pleasure speaking to oh, you today, thank Susan. You, Maria. Yeah. Look, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Susan. Details of Susan's shows are on the website where there are also links to things we talked about in the show. You can also follow Talking with Painters on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. Thanks for listening. <laughs>